Hello, and thank you for joining us another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host, Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Hi, Ryan. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And what are we talking about today? Let's talk about penis envy, because I'm feeling yeah. a lot of it right now. <laughs> Oh, that's that's pretty good. Your your um uh like material lack <laughs> right now, like in 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 being unable to put yourself outside to even enjoy the um the the pleasures of not your own house. I think. I mean, you and many other people, but of course, we talked about before. You're in a more vulnerable position than other folks. Yeah, so that I was thinking my penis envy was because I don't have any hair, but I guess you're right. Like it does come from. <laughs> it's also- uh, yeah, so I had to hit you below the belt, obviously, and uh, slam you for two things: uh, first, the baldness, and then the uh, yeah, and then your and, and your lungs. So yeah, that's yeah, good. I'm a that's a, it's a good good thing for me to be right. That's that's, yeah, that's un- right. ungracious. That's ungracious. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mari Rudy takes on. Um, uh, penis envy. I, I think that she. This is a. I don't know. As as a matter of approach, um, right. like this is uh, intentional because she begins. She roots her book uh, in like redeeming one of seemingly the most objectionable ideas of Freud's and like the most like easily like like dismissible and just like well we can take we can take the unconscious the uncanny we can take we can take these ideas they they, you know like like dreams and we can take a look at desire but like penis envy this is like clearly clearly sexist it it clearly comes from a a place of like uh, a a patriarchal hegemony we've just like we've moved past this idea and she wants to argue quite the opposite and she wants to redeem it in i think like fascinating ways yeah right 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 and she she has this nice beginning of the book where she says when i first read the concept of penis envy i threw the freud's book across the across the room and then but then she said then i thought well you know and i reconciled myself to the idea and and actually thought it was a site of freud's I don't know if I should would you say radicality, but it certainly is a political site in his thought, right? Like yeah, that's what yeah, that's yeah. part of what she's getting at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think absolutely, and and like, uh, and what she wants to to emphasize, I think. I mean, and, and not to not to jump ahead or, or whatever, but like, I, I, there's there's this line. It's very very early on. This is like uh, I don't know, page thirteen of the introduction. Is that uh, it's useful to recognize that no one, not even the guy with the biggest dick, can ever fully live up to the ideals of phallic power. That's exactly why men can experience penis envy just as easily as women. And then, you know, she moves on to to talk about Lacan's deliteralizing of Freud's notion of, of penis envy. And I think that she makes, like... She pushes the idea into territory that um, I, I think is is very new. One of the things I said to you, well, you know, when we were playing the uh, the podcast, is that um, the the contemporary notion that's like very popular uh, colleges, universities, like workplaces, like people give TED talks on this, they, on the idea of the imposter syndrome, and I think the you know the imposter syndrome being that like you know you you 
you got a promotion or a job and you don't think you're good enough for it and, and you don't think your qualifications are really good and you think you must have lied your way to get in there. Like you must be some kind of sociopath because you've been in social situations and you seem to say the right thing, but you're on the edge of your seat the entire time. And oh my God, like you're just racked by right, this kind right. of like anxiety. You know, like this is a very popular like notion and thing to think through. And for, I think for Mari, uh, I, that's overly familiar. I don't know her the way you do, but that's, um, but yeah, she's, so, she's, she's familiar. You can call her Mari. All right. Okay. All right. So, but for, uh, <laughs> for Mari Rudy, um, that this is an idea, this is a, um, a contemporary manifestation or, or, or like a new way of, of, uh, talking about, uh, penis envy. I, I, I think at least. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's, you know, I think the key point is that even men can suffer from it and actually mm-hmm. do suffer. Like, I think that her point is that no one can have the phallus, right? Like that's, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. one of the key. So in a certain sense, everyone is vulnerable to suffering from imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. maybe everyone should suffer from it because everyone yeah. is in this situation where wherever you're in a symbolic role, that symbolic role is really, I think this is the idea that the symbolic role is acting through you. And so yeah. you don't, it's not like you have some purchase on it. It has purchase on you so that you're, when you're doing it, like, like Slavoj uses this example of a judge putting on the robe and it's like the robe mm. is what's mm-hmm. acting and not mm-hmm. the judge. So that, so that really the time you're most castrated is the time you're most acting phallically. Right. Like, so the yeah. time that when you most think, oh, I'm really acting with a great authority at this moment, or like when President Trump, I've never called him President Trump. <laughs> when, when President Trump, but that, I mean, that's to the point, actually. That like, is to right, the that point. That is, yeah, that's when, really, when really he good. He acts as president mm-hmm. and issues some decree or mm-hmm. is reluctant to issue a decree. Uh, in any of those acts, he's acting with phallic authority, but he, mm-hmm. that's the moment at which he's, his castration becomes most evident, probably for him too, which is maybe why he's reluctant to mm-hmm. issue certain decrees, right? Because they're like the, when you're in a symbolic position of power, you're just acting at the, at the behest of the authority itself, which is, which is collective. I think that's mm-hmm. part of the other point, right? It's yeah. collective and it's not it has nothing to do with you as an individual. That's the other point I think is is crucial that it's d that any kind of phallic power is totally de individualized. Like you have, it doesn't care about you as a separate person. It's mm-hmm. just about that authority itself. That's a I think that's a fascinating point too about Trump because it also makes sense of in these moments. It's in exactly those moments when the 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 media the the supposed liberal media falls over themselves to say and this is the moment Trump finally became president like they do that shit whenever he bombs a country or like or you know he he takes science seriously for 2 weeks and you, you know like like issues something that doesn't immediately like he's not like mocking someone he's not doing it because of a personal vendetta like when he's actually doing something that is strictly symbolic that has nothing to do with him 
and his motivation is is outside of it. That's when you know the, the, these people are like ah oh, finally like this like he he is the office and it's like it's like no that's just that's what the office does right. that doesn't make right. him any better <laughs> like he certainly hasn't acceded to like a new kind of like rationality or reasonableness he, he's he's not suddenly become uh, like a better person the the weight of a of a, of a global pandemic has not you know changed his uh like his his you know, uh, myopia, like it, like absolutely not. It's just what people are seeing is, uh, symbolic authority. And this is why, I mean, like to kind of pull it in this direction, this is why, um, the, this is the only appeal that Joe Biden has as a candidate over Bernie Sanders, because Sanders, all Sanders, his whole campaign. And, and this is why, this is why he's a great political figure, but it's the, it's, this is his, his, his limit is his whole thing is that the emperor the emperor has no clothes that's his his whole thing you know right. and right. biden's whole thing is the clothes and that's and, and it's the same thing with trump at times and that's why uh in in this country that makes them more viable politically and it is because of this like the seeming possession of a symbolic uh, phallus rather than the guy who's saying no one has it. In no fact, one has it. Right. you know, no, there, there are so many vulnerable people out here who, who we need to pay attention to. Like, like this, this is entirely lacking. There is no, and that's, um, you know, it's obviously for, for, for many people like, you know, us included, like, I mean, that it's, it's a powerful message message. It's the, it's the right, like theoretical point, but like, you can see that it, it like that point does psychic damage and that's why it, it can't be as popular as like, as we would like. Right. I think that's right. And I think that Trump's, his distance from the symbolic role is one of the keys to his popularity, right? Like yeah. he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was reading someone saying this, and I thought this was a brilliant observation. It was just an observation that whenever he reads a, some kind of dictator report or whatever, he always looks like he's and sounds like he's reading it for the first time. Yeah. So he never like practices. And 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 their and I, they didn't make this point, but I think that's absolutely. And if it's not intentional, it's it's unconsciously very smart because yeah. it it reflects his alienation from the symbolic role, which then I think allows his spec his spectators. I don't know what else to call them. Yeah. His spectators to to imagine that he is not undergone castration, right? Because he's yeah. not, he's not identical to the symbolic position mm-hmm. of authority. Whereas like you're saying, like someone like Biden in the office, what Biden's promising is I'll come in there and restore normality, which is right. I'll restore, I'll just act the office and, right. and accept my castration and let the authority work through me. Mm-hmm. And Trump doesn't do that. So it's an interesting, you know, like he, it's all about, I think, the avoidance of the appearance of castration. Like he doesn't yeah. want to have that moment where he appears castrated. But I think, you know, that's that's what it's interesting because it does show the way in which that just occupying the position of a symbolic authority is castrating, which is the exact opposite of how we usually think of it, right? Like we usually think yeah. you're the authority, you're the one not castrated. You're the one, you're, in fact, even the way, you know, Lacan thinks of male sexuality, the one person excluded from castration is the leader in some way, right? But that, of mm-hmm. course, that's the leader, not the contemporary leader, but the leader of the, of the primal horde. So it's mm-hmm. not even, 
like that figure is only imaginary. So there's no one that actually gets to be excluded and not subjected to castration. Yeah, it's really interesting. I I, I think that this whole that like thinking about um, I, I think it makes sense to think about. And also, I mean, I think this this makes um, like does this not uh, you know to borrow the the uh, I mean is. Is Slavoj brings that that uh, that construction into um, psychoanalytic discourse, right? Like the, for yeah, the rhetorical yeah. construction that way, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, like, does this not like show at the psychical level the the uh, the hurdle that like a, a, a female candidate for president has in like absolutely. in this country? Like, it just I, I think like it lays that absolutely bare, and and it it. There's a there's another angle too here, like you like, um, and I think uh, I, I, this would like sort of be my like my last example on this thread, and then we'll go back to to Mari's book um, in in earnest. Um, but uh, I think that there's something in here too. Um, the 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 other part of the appeal um, of like of Biden is that it's like like you said is that like I'll go in and I will act the office, and there is something in this as well. For for folks that that I think is appealing, that it doesn't come directly from Biden. It's that if someone just acts the office, it means you don't have to care about politics. And I think right. I, I mean, th- that's the promise of the Biden candidacy. Yeah, you've said and, that to me before. I think that's yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and it's it's because the way I think most people write about it is like, oh, it's Obama nostalgia. And I think yes, but actually, it's more specific than that. It's you just you just trusted the office and you maybe checked in with politics once a week, once a month, because like, you know, you, the, the office means, you know, incrementalism. And it also means that things like, you know, like they, like, it's like a political kind of purgatory, but it's not so bad. Things are, they never get too bad. They never get too good. Like you just like, you live your own life. And the whole time you forget that like many, many, many other people can't do that. And that, right. and the that, office that, doesn't mean Steve Carell, in other words, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, the, like, and I think that was like sort of the like that was the lure of the like the the Obama years is that like you know you could imagine that no one was really suffering that much, whereas like you certainly cannot get away with thinking that right now, right? Um, right. You know, uh, it's and 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 so I think there there's. I don't know, like like is there a way that that is also figured in to um to like to castration as well. Like, like if someone just acts the, the office, that means that like, like what, what does that mean? Like, like, like for us, like if someone, if, if Biden is just acting the office, that means that we get to go back to right. Right. Like a castrated we don't have place to become where we're aware. taking. Sorry. Oh no, 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 no. Please jump in. Yeah. That's I'm yeah. just going to say that it means that we don't have to be aware of our castration, right? Like the, mm-hmm. like him, because he seems like, like he's just allowing symbolic authority to function. And the whole mm-hmm. point of symbolic authority functioning in the way that it functions is to hide everyone's castration. So right. I feel like that's that like that's exactly what you're looking for. Like mm. in a in a someone like him. It's interesting that Mari for Mari, the the male position, so the female position is is she associates with penis envy, and the male position is something like imposture right like you're mm-hmm. acting mm-hmm. this part of having some kind of authority but it's really what you you're really just as subject to castration as the women are so that's the mm-hmm. it's interesting to think of that dynamic as on the one side penis envy but what you're envying is actually what no one has anyway so it's a so there's a way in which as she's thinking about it which i think is right 
she's thinking about it. It's a kind of misplaced, like even penis envy is a, is a category error. Like you shouldn't, mm. like it, it's misplaced, even though she begins the book by saying it's just logical. She, when you, she further develops the idea, her point is that, you know, it's, it's, it's actually misplaced. Like if you, if women really looked into it, they would see there was nothing to envy at all because the men are that thing that seems like phallic power is just imposture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I, I think that I think that that's that's helpful for me because I because I, I was trying to work through the the position like relative to someone who is like who who hides who hides their own castration. So like it, it's it's funny. So that means it's 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 so good to me because it's like it means we. Um, we get to hide our own, but it's like a kind of a, as an, as a theoretical example, like it opens up this way that like you, you can see it more clearly. And so that's what, that's what, that's what I was trying to, to think through that. Like the, 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 the specter of the, of the Biden, um, uh, uh, president, uh, presidency is like, uh, in a, in a way, like it's a, it's a, I mean, it's not literally, it's not actually an acceptance of, of castration, but it, no, it it's is, respite from castration. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's respite from it. That's pretty, it's pretty yeah. good. It's, it's, but, and, and that, that's the thing is like, it's almost like th- this, this is what I think maybe my little hang up is that I think there is the only way that he can have that appeal is because there is an unconscious acknowledgement of what is actually at stake. And, but there is the conscious push away from it. That, that I think right. that's, that's yeah. right. I think that's true. Although the other thing is that he, he almost shows his imposture too much, right? Like his, yeah. his borderline senility. <laughs> yeah. Is, they have to keep is, him out. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is, it is like, that is the, that is castrate. Like that is imposture, right? Like that mm-hmm. is his own inability to actually play the role of the symbolic authority. So it's the, interesting that that I think he's on the verge of tipping too far into this, like he he can't he does he we can't accept because you have to the imposture has to be invisible right like mm-hmm. if you see the imposture then you know Jennifer Friedlander has this great example of male imposture so she mm-hmm. she contrasts male and Mari does too um, male imposture with female masquerade and, okay. and Jennifer's example is. <laughs> this is a little too close to home for me, but her example is a bald man. And she says, imposture is the bald man wearing a toupee and masquerade mm-hmm. is the bald man wearing a hat, which that, I feel good about that. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, so the hat, she thinks the hat is an example of masquerade. Is like, that's what a, that's similar to a woman's masquerade, which is mm-hmm. you cover over the lack with clothing, mm-hmm. but, everyone knows there's still lack beneath the clothing, right? You're not right. fooling anyone. So I wear a hat to class and I'm not, no one's like, oh my God, maybe he's not bald. He's wearing a hat. And I know, <laughs> they know that I'm bald. Uh, whereas if I wore a toupee, maybe I'd get away with it, right? Maybe they'd mm-hmm. think if it was a good one, maybe they'd if think. If it was a good like, rug, yeah. Yeah, maybe they'd think like, oh, he really has his hair. But then Jennifer Friedlander's point is if the, if the toupee slips a little bit, then you're completely exposed. Yeah. And her idea is this is what's true about male imposture as well. Like it works fine until you get a Biden like yeah. unable to put a sentence together and then the imposture falls apart and you get and, – and castration gets exposed. So it's interesting that the female – and then I asked her, what about shaving your head? How does that fit in? And she's <laughs> like – she had no theory for where that fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's interesting, right? That that shaving your head even it's even more of a cover because mm-hmm. you accept it through, like you 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 hide castration by exposing castration, right? Yeah, like that's the. Yeah. So I don't know where that fits in in terms of like imposture versus masquerade, but that is a, it seems like to me that's a different kind of way to deal with it. Yeah, it's a third position for sure. I I think. Like, I, well, I like that too. Also, you know that your author photo in at least some of your books is you wearing a hat. So I just like, I kept thinking I about know, that. I know, yeah. I know, yeah. That's why I, I like that because <laughs> I, I actually was thinking of Jennifer when I, when I had the hat on. For the you had the hat on. Photo. This yeah. like total, this total masquerade. I, so, um, yeah, it's, it's like, what is, what, what would you call that? What would be, what would be another term? It's like, cause you're, you're attempting to, I think we talked about this before, but you're attempting to, um, you're attempting to cover okay, like castration by right. making it more obvious by making it obvious. Right. Yeah. All right. So I don't, that's what's happening. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't think either Mari or Jennifer has a theory of that, but I think, you know, I think that is, I think people do that. I think mm-hmm. people, I mean, maybe it's more associated with the female position. Right? And yeah. And, and you, and like you wearing th- clothes because clothes mm-hmm. is a certain way is an acceptance of like, that's, you can say like that, like wearing sexy clothes is making castration obvious, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So I think like um, uh, back that up. Uh, in in so this is a thing with with psychoanalysis that I that I think is I think we talked about this a little bit in the um, defending Freud episode that is worth um, teasing out that like there in psychoanalysis there are there are male and and female positions uh relative to the phallus which does not i think f- like folks often take this as like oh psychoanalysis only imagines that there are men and women right and I, which i i think is wrong i think that's wrong yeah so yeah so uh, tease tease that out i think right so the whole point is the position as you said the position you take up relative to the phallus or the, the structural position you occupy for so sexual difference is just a sexual is a, sorry is just a structural way of thinking and it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there aren't other kinds of positions available to people like that mm-hmm. they're just they're just points of structural reference that then can right. be multiplied in any kind of way right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think that's I think that's a good way of looking at it like these are like these are the the poles and I kind of think I mean you re- you reference this like a little bit like and we should, I think our, this is our plan to have, um, uh, Veronica on at some point to talk about yeah, this, yeah, but like, yeah. but like, I think the, where for a long time in, in, in theory, not in what our theory, but like, it, or, or what we would consider friendly to psychoanalysis has been the idea that like psychoanalysis only imagines male and female positions when actually right. I think the entire, because of the insistences, that it's just relative to this uh, illusory idea of the phallus. And this is why like Mari Rudy, like pulls, like pulls out this idea of penis envy and puts it at the front of like how we need to think about psychoanalysis today because it's that no one has it. Okay. And, and it's just a relationship one takes up relative to, uh, to phallus that I think it's, it's arguable that the position that, psychoanalysis has been uh, tending toward is a, is what we would rightly call like a, a, a trans position. I think that right. that's the, Veronica Davis's position. I think yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think that's right. That, that the, that the, because it's the position where the phallus is, is actually, the, it, you almost could say that it's the position that accepts 
castration and accepts the phallus as a non-factor, right? Like yeah. as a so that's yeah. So it's I think that that's that's I think that's right, and I think that that you know there I think there are more and more people thinking along those lines. Than that. It's interesting. Like I, I wonder. Yeah. I just think that the. I think for me, I just think the term was not, it just wasn't in psychoanalysis. There wasn't someone, there, you know, there wasn't someone like, you know, Veronica Davis or, or other folks like, you know, to, right. to, to bring that in to, I think to, to pull that idea. But I think that it's, I mean, you know, I think, uh, Mari Rudy's trying to do similar work, uh, with uh, penis envy, but, uh, you want right. to work through some, some of these, these ideas like a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Closer. yeah. So yeah. 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 Cause I think like, so she, she, Starts with penis envy as the original bad feeling, mm. and then she wants to go through other bad feelings and see how they're tied to possible revolt. Right, like that's her main idea that that bad feelings, rather than just pushing us down into a a position where we're unable to do anything, that mm-hmm. they actually are the seeds from which we can create some kind of political agency for ourselves and react against our situation. Right, I mm-hmm. think that's her main. I think that's the through line that's going through the film. Through the film, sorry, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> through the book. Uh, that 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 it's really that bad feelings. You know that that part of the problem of our contemporary capitalist society is that it creates these bad feelings that it then doesn't allow us to accept or doesn't allow it that can't it can't avow. So that, mm-hmm. so that, you know, you're not allowed to even express penis envy. You're not, I mean, no one would say that they feel penis envy, um, yeah. but you're not allowed to express your, if you, if you get caught up in bad feelings like depression, mm-hmm. you're supposed to get over it. And that part of her yeah. whole thing is trying to see how that can, how the feeling bad can actually be the, the way in which you're able to re- revolt against the contemporary situation. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think that that it, to to bring that back to my like my example of um, imposter syndrome, like it, it fits in because it's like you can't avow that it's penis envy, but you can avow that it's imposter syndrome. You know, like that that's that's right. that's, that's like a safe right for sure way for uh, right. and and it's kind of um, again one of the I I, I swear that I I had to watch a, a TED talk for uh, some some orientation thing somewhere uh, about like talking to students who may be suffering from like <laughs> imposter syndrome or something like that. Uh, and one of the, the video advice was that like you just like in some ways, I think this is theoretically consonant with what we're saying, but it, in another, it like kind of avoids the crucial terms, which is this, that you, you just, you fake it. You, you just, you like kind of like what you're saying, you just, you act the office, you just act the position until, until you become it. And well, it's sort of everybody do that. Right, I think so. I, well, I think so. I think that's that. That's like the thing. But what that avoids, I mean, does that not just avoid the word castration? Right, like, yeah. like you know, yeah. like don't confront your castration a- at all. Do this other thing to avoid it, and then you'll get really good at avoiding it, and then you won't think of it at all. Right, and and right. and I think that's, um, and I think this is such a nice point of hers, and, and uh, about, and I think. It, that it's actually like part of this point, I think comes a little bit from her reading of Foucault. And I think she makes really productive uh, use of this in a psychoanalytic way, because I mean, he's, a, I think well known in history, sexuality writing that um, the moment that you think you're outside of power is the moment you're most caught up in it, right. which I think is a useful idea if we're not thinking about power, but that's a, you know, another, another topic, but it's, it's really, really good for like, um, 
I think for this situation. And then he also says about like about law uh, that like law has to generate the crime that it wishes to suppress. And that's the same thing is that capital like creates yeah, that, these that's bad, a bad idea. That's you a think bad a, idea. That's a terrible idea. Like, is that, why, so, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I just don't think that crime is equivalent. I don't think crime is just a product of law. I think that's crazy. I think it's a crazy idea. I just don't <laughs> think that's, you know. You know like, well, his point, I mean, isn't his point that like, um, you, if you make something illegal, you have to also create the conditions that allow it to occur to then justify having made it illegal in the first place. I think that's, his, I think that's okay, his point. Okay. I guess. But, but I mean, you, you know, like the, like the, it, 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 this is, I'm just stealing this point from Joan Kopchak in her sure. critique of, of Foucault, but, but her point is, look, he creates a world where there's no desire, right? Like the whole point sure. of desire yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. it's, it's always, it's always a transgression, right? Like it's always yeah. like, like, okay, law might try to create a certain kind of reality, mm-hmm. but desire emerges and it doesn't just do exactly what law says to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole point about law. Like that it can't just, like in a certain way, law is, a, is constantly wrestling with desire as a problem. Like it's not like desire just fits in perfectly. Like it, law creates the very thing it's trying to know. It, cre- it creates a certain kind of thing but then mm-hmm. desire erupts and it, and it, it doesn't even, it's not even a law finds, it doesn't even account for that in any way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not just because it's, it doesn't just want to disobey the law in a certain way that the law predicts. It mm-hmm. wants to disobey in a way the law hasn't predicted. Mm-hmm. So in a way that goes off the, off the chart, right. Into a different mm-hmm. area. So I don't, I don't know. I find that, you know, like any time, you know, I was going to say, whatever I hear, I knew you were using Foucault, talking about Foucault yeah. in a positive way. And I was going to say, when I hear Foucault talked in a positive way, I reach for my gun. I mean, like, <laughs> well, I, I mean, just, I was going to push you on this and say, like, I mean, half of uh, Penis Envy is about Foucault. And, and, and I think, like, Mari successfully, like, uses some of his ideas and, and imports them into more psychoanalytic feeling because that, that like she I think puts the the idea that like capitalist culture creates the bad feelings that it then aims to kind of eliminate is I think her twist on that idea about like Foucault and crime right, and that, law. That, that, that twist is the key word, right? Like right. She right. twists she twists it into a psychoanalytic way of thinking mm-hmm. that then is it's foreign to the Foucauldian matrix, I think. So I, I look she has a she has a much more she's not as like cut the line as I am. So no, 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 this is important. Like, like I, like actually teasing. No, really, this is important. Pulling like, like pull out how she takes that idea. Cause I think you're, you're right to say that, um, what, what you do about Foucault and that like, again, it is, he does do this. He, right. He, there's no desire. There's no unconscious. And then when things like this emerge in the world that he imagines, it's like, like, Oh, like what, what can we do about this? Like, it's like there, there's like, there, there's nothing, there's like, there's nothing to do. Like it, it all becomes like, like reducible to like power or biopower and things like this. Um, and okay, okay. So that's on the, that's on the one side. So like how, um, what does she do to, I don't know, rest the idea away from falling into that, um, kind of explanatory makes matrix that Foucault, um, 
<laughs> erects, I think is the good right. word choice, right. um, where, where things are like reducible to, uh, like to power and well, hegemony and, and, and law and repression. Yeah. Right. For sure. Right. Like her, this is, she comes to this point in the conclusion, but it's, it's apparent, it's apparent throughout the book. She says, bad feelings are a way of breaking free, right? Bad feelings are about emancipation. Mm-hmm. And like Foucault has no theory of emancipation. Like there's no, no, that's true because it's all about the cage that we're in. It's all about the way in which we're, we're, you know, we're the ideological, he wouldn't use the term, but the ideological um, pressures, they work for mm-hmm. him. Like that, that, that's the thing. Like they work, they produce us as individuals, not as subjects. They produce us as individuals right. and we're mm-hmm. just the, we're the result of those, well, he wouldn't say ideological, what he would say is those, you know, those matrices of power, right? Mm-hmm. We're just the, mm-hmm. we're just a, we're just the result of that. And I think for Mari, no, like it's like, okay, the bad feelings are produced by contemporary capitalist society, mm-hmm. but it's the bad feelings that actually liberate us like to, mm-hmm. and, and thus break from that contemporary capitalist society or point the way outside of it. Like her way of, of theorizing and outside of it, I, I find very appealing maybe just because we're very alike. We have a similar kind of trajectory. You and I share this too, but a similar kind of trajectory, although I, neither of us began as lowly as she did. Like, no, and, and you know, we didn't yeah, have Finland. to, my, my, my bathroom was, was internal to the house. So yeah, um, right, right. it's pretty amazing, right? Like a, oh, yeah. a great contemporary theorist had to use an outhouse as a, it's, as a I, I do. Yeah. Like quick comment on that. I, I think that the way that, um, that she weaves a like memoir into this is 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 really effective. Um, I, usually that annoys the hell out of me, but I found yeah. it so great in this. Yeah. Book. So I think it's yeah, just a too. tribute to her as a writer mm. and as a thinker. Um, the, 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 I think what's interesting and important is that she doesn't allow the theory to be derailed by the by the narrative. Like the narrative mm. is always in service of the theory. And it, it actually, I, I found this, I mean, I wonder if people that don't know her, if they felt the same way, but it almost like hooked me into her and Mm. what she was thinking much more Mm. because I had this like personal, I felt like I had a per. there were things I didn't know before that I learned just from reading the book. So that was Mm. interesting. Um, I mean, I knew a lot. Well, you, you get hooked into someone's like, like it's why does someone think that? Right. Like, right. isn't that so important? Like, like you're trying to follow right. along a thread, a thread of thought and it's, and, and that's, I, I, I think that's probably the good point is that's where the memoir works is it's not just like what happened to her. It's like, it's how, what happened to her has informed this idea and like, and, and why she thinks the way that she does. And that's what the, is, you know, um, attractive about the whole book is, right. is, is right. this, this like thread of thought. And I, you're, um, you're right to nail down the, the way that she avoids the, um, the, Foucault, the Foucauldian trap is always just, well, there's no way out, you know, and that right. like you, you see, you see power lurking in every corner and it's in every attempt to, you know, like that, that's the first thing I, that I said that like the moment you think you're out, you're most caught up in and it's like, Oh, so there's no way out. Why were you right. a political activist, Foucault? <laughs> like, like I just like, I don't think well, he, he just separates even, the two, right? Like I he know. separates the two. Yeah. There's his theorizing and there's his political activity and they just don't have any they don't come together, which is yeah. incredibly strange, right? Like, yeah. it, well, it also explains why he goes in later in his life, these works that aren't popular at all, where he talks about ancient Greece and, 
and you know the f- like uh, forming oneself as a subject, like this the, the care of the self, like that. Well, and the Parisia, that, which I always like as a being akin to a radical act. Like I think he's getting there because I think he realizes he messed right. up. But yeah, right. Yeah. But that's very late. It's his last. It's two very years late. Of his life, it's the last right? thing. Right. But and it's not yeah. the thing that people have taken up, which is also interesting because I think people are drawn to this. I think there's something almost satisfying about believing that everything is a trap that we can't escape from. I mean, you like to talk about cynicism, cynicism. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I I think that's been, even though that's not named, like it's never attributed, attributed to Foucault, I don't think, but like the kind of contemporary cynicism, I think largely comes from his kind of thinking and, and like you finding, I, I, I think what we have exchanged in a widespread way, I don't know, maybe this is more so in America than other places. I don't know how exactly how worldly this phenomenon is, but I think people have exchanged the quote freedom and emancipation of discovering new ways in which you are under the thumb of power for the emancipation and freedom of like overturning systems and structures. That's pretty great. And that's what I think like Foucault initiated is that like you like the answer. And this is the thing that um, it's, it's real. I, I just like these things that, that stick to, to Freud. I find so funny that like, you know, it's like, Oh, sex was the answer to everything. And it's like, no, sex is the question. Like, you know, why, like, why is, why does heterosexuality seem compulsory? That's a question to needing an answer. Right. He, he writes this right. in uh, three essays. Um, it's just, it's a question. That's, that's the question. But like for, for Foucault, like, I mean, the answer really is power and it really is, right. it, it, it's it really the is, answer. it's right. always the answer. And, and I think that like, yeah, I, I just like, you know, I, I can see it in, I see it every place that I've taught and you know, that like in, 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 and I don't think students are aware that they're practicing it, but like they, they, they find something emancipatory in finding out new ways in which they cannot escape their circumstances. And I just think that's so Foucauldian. And I think that it is, it is only possible for that to feel quote emancipatory and in inverted commas. If you exclude the idea of radical act and collectivizing and, and like collective action. Beautiful, beautiful. Totally agree. What's interesting is that, that um, Foucault in one of these late seminars he gave, Mm-hmm. I was last year. I had nothing to. Do. I had a lot to do. I remember I just, this. You asked me which I, one to read. I, yeah. The, the, did you read the hermeneutics of the subject? Is that the yeah, one? hermeneutics yeah. of the subject. Yeah, I read yeah. through all of them. Mm-hmm. And he there's a there's a, there's like I don't know three or four sessions where it's just a more than that actually, just a, a panegyric to cynicism and to these hmm. great cynical philosophers. So hmm. it's he's <laughs> it's almost like he he lays bare. It's funny nobody talks about that. Yeah. that seminar, but, but he lays bare this allegiance between, you know, his thought and, and cynicism, which I think is, I think most people who are Foucauldian, for one thing, most people who are Foucauldian don't really know they're Foucauldian, right? They're just, yeah. they've accepted the notion that power is, that we have to think of everything in terms of power. Right, right, Like right. that's the, and, and, and that seems to people like a radical, like, oh, I'm cutting beneath the surface of things. I'm seeing right. how it's really about power. Like, Oh, this election wasn't about like which party was right. It was about power. You know, like that's yeah, not, right, right, right. Like that's right. not a great. You're not really cutting. I I felt like saying to Foucault, like, of course, I was only how old was I? Seventeen when he died. Um, but that I I feel like saying to him, I scream in the margins, like, what, what do you think you're uncovering? Like, yeah. it's, it's self evident that power yeah. is operating in this way. 
Mm-hmm. And, there, and if you want to uncover something, uncover the desire that lurks beneath the power. That's what I always think. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing with, I mean, that's the whole thing with hermeneutics of the subject is it's an ironic title, right? Because he does not believe in a hermeneutics of the subject. Correct. <laughs> that's, Correct. Yeah. That's kind Correct. of the point of that, that lecture Correct. series. Um, and so the, anyway, all of this is to say, not just the, another in our, um, in our series of hits on Michel Foucault. Um, it, this, <laughs> we should have um, one episode just devoted to him and just let, lay it all out. We gotta lay, but then we can't do these drive-bys and they're, That's you right. know, they're, That's they're right. useful. Um, much more, and, much more fun. And it's suggested by the text. We're not doing that for no reason. It's uh, like, right. and, and, and cause Mari departs from, from Foucault, uh, as, as well. And importantly, and it is to move in this direction, which is that like, okay. Um, like if certainly Lacan d- does not imagine this and like, I, and I think she convincingly makes the case that, that Freud uh, does not either say that like, we will always be under the thumb of penis envy in the same way that Foucault says we will, you know, we're always under the thumb of, of power in some way. And power is always articulating itself um, whether uh, we try to get around it or not. And like, right. like th- fact, this, th- this is the important point. Yes. Yeah. Right. In fact, isn't penis envy itself the way that we're going to get beyond penis envy? Like it's almost yeah, the opposite, yeah. right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the way in which things occasion their, the revolt that then topples them, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's her, I mean, her whole point is this investment in the way these produced bad feelings have the energy to topple the mechanism that creates the bad feelings. And it's only sustained. So contemporary capitalist what does she call it? Heteropatriarchy. It's mm-hmm. only sustained insofar as we don't avow the bad feelings. So as long as we allow the bad feelings to be unavowed and 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 pushed aside, then as far as long as we do that, then we're we're sustaining that that capitalist patriarchy. But it's mm-hmm. when we avow them and take them up and and take them seriously, like she's trying to do in the book, mm-hmm. then that's when we start on the path of actually toppling that regime. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's because you can't, I mean, I think, I mean, she just makes like, it's such a, such a good point. Like you, you, if you're not, if you're not facing the, uh, if you're not facing your enemy in the proper terms, like you will never, you'll never win, you know, like, like if you if you, like, I think this is the, like in her, her early point, I know in, in another episode, you, you had a, an argument like that was a little bit separate from her position, but I think you did accept it that like maybe like initial idea, an initial way of like understanding. And she says this in the beginning in her intro of understanding the penis envy is it's like, well, if like the, you know, if the least qualified man can be, can, uh, like get a position at a company better than like the most qualified woman, then like who wouldn't want to have a penis? Like it's like, it's in, it's in that sort of way. But like that, what you have to understand though, is that there, there's not like magic power in it. Right. It's, 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 it's right. totally, it's, it's totally, it, it is not object oriented. It is like, it, it, it is illusory and it is really, I mean, uh, unlike Zupansic, I think writes about this in the appendix to odd one in, right. That is like, is only by not like confronting like, uh, something like penis envy or like phallic power in exactly those terms that like it can continue to have this like cachet that, uh, that, that, that makes it, uh, bigger than it actually is. (laughs) That was pretty good. Uh, uh, that was the highlight for me. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like that's that's really. I mean, Alenka's point is that the whole 
project of psychoanalysis is about, you know, toppling the phallics, the, sorry, the, the, the phalluses illusion, that, that mystery that it seems to have, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. demystifying that the, the whole project of making, actually talking about the phallus mm-hmm. is an attempt to demystify this power that it has from not being talked about and not being theorized, right? So, mm-hmm. so she, th- she sees, and I think Mari's along these same lines, that there's a, that there's really something to be gained by, by Freud talking about it and right. then putting it out into the light of day and then it can't, it's almost like a vampire, like it can't work, <laughs> it only can work undercover. And I think yeah, that's, that's right, nice. like it can't, yeah. you know, it can, you know, Lacan famously says that the phallus can perform its function only while veiled, right? And so, yeah. mm-hmm. so if it's not veiled, it's interesting that we, that we associate the veil with the feminine, whereas the, the psychoanalytic point is it's the phallus that's always veiled, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always the, the clothes, right? The, the, it's, it's always the emperor's clothes. It's never... Right, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so it's interesting that, so Mari, out of these, this idea of bad feelings, her idea is that you can, the way to break out of that, and I wonder what you think about this. It's a kind mm-hmm. of, it's, a, it's almost a minimalist, not almost, it is a minimalist ethic, right? It's like mm-hmm. casting aside how many, and she herself feels this, I think, compulsion to dress. She even says, like, I, I always try to dress nice. I never give a lecture without my phallic pen. Right, Which I thought was funny. Um, but, but, but then her, in the end, she comes to this idea of an ethic of, can you, can you almost disrobe? Can you... Mm-hmm. Can you take away all those things that, like, if 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 the if the heterosexist capitalist world is telling you to accumulate commodities and accumulate commodities that make you feel bad? Mm-hmm. Like, I think her point is like, can you just stop doing that? Right? Yeah. Like can you? And 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 so there's a minimalist dimension to her, or a minimalist dimension at the heart of her ethics. Yeah, I think I think she's. I think I've got the timeline right. She, the Call of Character is before this book, correct? Yeah, this is the most recent one, I think. Yeah. Okay. Or else yeah. Distillations maybe after. But. Oh, Miss Distillations. I, I think you're correct. Uh, um, so I think that she she gets at that in Call of Character as well, which is like, you know, and, and this like, it really, really spoke to me. It it actually... You love this, that book, don't you? I do love that book. Yeah, I, yeah. It, this, this actually, like, um, I, you know... It's Mari, if you're listening, uh, this changed my life. Uh, there's, she talks about like, accum- like, uh, buying books, like, like, like I, I found like there for like a long period of my life, I found myself just I buying books and never reading them. Yeah. Just accumulating an incredible amount of books. And I like, I don't know. I read in, I read in the call of character, like her writing about this is this, you know, like this, this is, you, you know, you, you can't, you cannot fill, you cannot fill a lack with all this material, you know, like you cannot, you cannot shovel these things into, uh, in, in, into a feeling and then expect it to like, to go away. Like I, I can't, in a, in a way what I was, I don't, I don't know if this is necessarily her point in that book, but like, I really was like engaging in a kind of interpassivity, um, of like where like buying the books, is the same as being well read and having, yeah. you know, like, like having yeah. a long Netflix queue of movies is this like, well, I put them in my, my to watch list. So I've basically seen it cause I've identified like good movies and I was totally doing that and not ever taking anything from these books. And so like, um, I've, 
been a lot more aesthetic and like minimalist in the the, the books uh, that, that I buy, most mostly fiction and but theory too. And it has been a lot better for me. I mean, this is a year since I read her book, like maybe like four four years, I, I guess. Or, well, I don't you think? think yeah, that's that's a really fascinating. That there's a way in which I mean, that book is about following your desire, right? Like following yes. your. Yeah. So it's interesting that you follow. She aligns following your desire with not accumulating. And I think that's, because yeah. I think a lot of people would say, no, no, following your desire means buying all the things that you oh, desire, yeah. you know, right. but I think that, that's what I think is pretty. Is, is, well, that's is, the slippage between, a, a, between desire and want, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And, that's and I, and I think that I think that she's really good on the point of desire and keeping it because want I think want is is capitalist is is clearly like on the side of of capital and desire I think is like all of us are trying to r- rescue and put desire in this position of radicality and I think that um, I think I think she is able to do that pretty well but I, I think that like you know I mean this is certainly like. Lacan's position. I mean, right. Seven or seven. I feel like we talk about that more than any of the other ones. That yeah, like, except I, as you were taught, I know we always talk about seven or seven, but um, <laughs> I, I actually, as you were saying that, I think like Lacan's own interpretation of seven or seven, <laughs> we've talked about this before is, yeah. I think he interprets desire as want. Like he, he okay. thinks these open little flaunting of figures, flaunting of authority, like mm-hmm. his, his, his example of, he used to fart in public. We, I've talked about this before, I think. <laughs> no, haven't you we? haven't. Not on this podcast. Oh, you didn't? Okay. So Lacan so. used to fart in public. And his partner, whoever lover he was with, he had numerous lovers. This is also part of his ethic of desire. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, you can't turn one down because that would be betraying your desire. Right. But right. He, which I think is horrible. Um <laughs> Well, isn't that not that by, I'm morally by, appalled by it? But that's whatever. Bajou's thing too, right? It's well, it is. It is. It's, it's the fidelity is. to the love event. It's right. not fidelity to a yeah, to right, a person, right. right? Yeah. So, but but so Lacan's idea that his his he says this person says to him like why how why are you keep farting in public and he <laughs> he says well I don't, don't give ground relative to my desire so like <laughs> the the suppression of the fart which is you know. <laughs> Which everyone does, I hope, as a as a way of like acceding to the fact that we live in a public world and we're not mm-hmm. like when you're private in your own bedroom, you unless you're with someone, you don't you just kinda let loose, I think. You just don't care. Right. But that Or especially so he, if you're with someone, I think is the <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ryan, I think we'll have to ask Kara about that. But, yeah, okay, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but but I think that's the that's a misreading. I think that's what you're saying. Like that's a misreading. Like just giving yeah. in to doing whatever you want, like want and desire are not the same thing. No, and I think that I, I think I said this a few episodes back, but like you know, Lacan. I mean, if you are really following psychoanalysis, then like Lacan cannot be the um, Lacan cannot be the quilting point to the meaning of Lacan. Uh, you know, right. like it, 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 it exceeds him and it is, uh, like it, it's, it's, it's something else. And like that, that is, I mean, that's a great example of a bad reading because it's not so then like what, like looting stores, like, like right. just right. then that all of that is not giving ground relative to desire. I think that that's not, that can't be, that can't be correct. Like the desire has to be, I mean, and this is funny it's, it's not even, it doesn't even really jibe with what he says in, in that seminar that like desire has to be always to your, uh, to your detriment, 
you know, like like there there has to be some kind of cut that you accept. And just well, like, wouldn't he say that it, the the fact that it that the public farting causes him to lose face in public is that's the definition? yeah, but no, that's not why he does it though. No, because know, he, know. you know, it's perverse. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like he was perverse. So that's mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's funny that he writes one of his most eloquent acree, and I, I shouldn't use that word to describe how he writes. Um, <laughs> one of his most convincing acree, Kant of Exod, is a is mm-hmm. a critique of perversion, a pretty yeah. damning critique of perversion. And yet mm-hmm. he, I think, as a as the way he lived his life was very perverse. Right. Which I mean again, which is why it's the idea and not the person. Yeah, who cares that you who follow cares about yeah, the person. Who, Although yeah. I just say that and I think like Mari's book shows that like the person does have like she includes the person in the book to give us a way to access the idea. So I think there is mm-hmm. that. I think there always is that that we we do kind of get to the idea through the person and not you know that's why I don't know. I find the people around Lacan much more like I feel like I'm more invested in them than I am like like Joan Slavoy, mm-hmm. Mari, Jennifer, like all these. Hillary, you, mm-hmm. like all these people, I feel like they make up a whole line of thinking and I don't associate it as much with Lacan himself. And that's because I find him personally offensive. And I, I think that that's, I think <laughs> that's you don't, but I do think you need people or a person mm-hmm. to, to, to glom onto the thought. So I just have transferred it from him to these other people. But that's I think you have to, I think that's, I think that's what's, behind what Mari's doing in the book that you need, I think she's recognizing that you need these personal connections to find a way into a line of thinking. And then you, then it, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you tie it down in that way to the person. And then like, it's almost like the way it's almost like transfer, then you know, the way transference works, like you need this transferential figures to get you in to just to think that the thought has something to say to you. That's interesting. I mean, like the the in in the example, there's something there's something just very psychoanalytic about it because, like, yes, isn't the isn't the the best lesson that like that that seems to be the lesson of transference or the lesson that there is no there is no big other or that that the um there is no subject supposed to know right like right. why like look look why should Lacan have to know like well, Lacan right. does Lacan's not know up, what should Lacan. be a bad reader of Lacan right exactly like, if, right. of course he would be if, if you because yeah. I think what he wrote is right and and and, and what he said was right and that that's the logical conclusion of that. Right. You know, like, um, which you you don't even have insight into your own thought. Absolutely. That's the real, that's the real revelation of psychoanalysis. I think, I think that's right. I think that's true. I think even there's like, I think, um, Slavoj writes that in his blurb on Fabio Vigi's book on Zizek's dialectics, which is, um, I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but he writes something about like, like he's like startled to see like his own, thing like like his his own ideas like like given it's funny i use the word thing we're talking about seminar seven and then yeah. penis and but he's startled to like to see it like um uh represented this way and i know that like you know sometimes the blurbs in the back of the book like you know that that's not necessarily truthful or not but i but i think like honest or not like i think that that's definitely the take is that like someone putting together you know like a uh like a reading of your own work and your own ideas and giving it back to you. Like it should be like a little startling. It's like, always startling. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was with Savoy one time and someone 
brought up a book of his to sign, and he said, why, why are you taking me so seriously? It's really disturbing. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It was a good response, I thought, to that. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's right. I think it's right. Like that—that's the whole point. Is that there's this division, obviously, between in the subject, and that that doesn't disappear when one is writing something theoretically. Right? Yeah, so. Mari has the great quote, or I think this is from Lusa Arigare, that uh, "Who I am for you and who I am for me is not the same, and such a yeah. gap cannot be overcome." And this is pretty good. And so, like, if you extend that, right? Like, so. Lacan, like Lacan's, in your example, Lacan's theory for him is different from Lacan's theory for us, and it's a gap right. that can't be overcome. So, like, right. yeah, it kind of makes sense. He has this theory that is like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm living ethically by farting in public, and it's like, right. you didn't really. That was not your example. Yeah, you missed the point. You missed. You, you missed, missed the your point. own idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's true. I mean, the, the 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 history of people not living up to their own ideas is a long and and sad history, right? Like yeah, there's not, yeah. it's a, you know, that, I think that's pretty commonplace that people misinterpret what they're saying mm-hmm. uh, and don't, you know, and aren't able to, but maybe that, maybe the lesson of psychoanalysis is that's, that's a necessary mystery. Yeah. Like that they can't, you can't really, you can't be identical to yourself. You can't grasp the, I mean, especially when your thought is radical, I think it's really hard to grasp the radicality of your own position and, 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 and then to integrate that into your life. I think it's, that's the, that, I mean, that's part of the division that we're talking about is the division between thought and your life. And that's what Mari's kind of, her whole book is a struggle between, you know, like how I'm theoretically thinking certain things and then how do I live my life in response to that? And it's, it's, it's saying, well, can we make, can, to what extent can we allow the theory to really, disrupt our life and that's the mm-hmm. i think that's in some way the wager of the book right yeah I, I think that's so good i think that all of her like non self-help self-help books which is the you know it starts with um the case for falling in love and then it's um the call of character and i think this book as well fit, you know fits into her like because right. she masters this this genre that like i don't know she basically made up because it doesn't i don't think it really exists um right. but that it, it's not um Oh, how can I make to I'll be I'll use the cons terms about this? The, the goal is is I should make the subject of enunciation and the subject of the statement. My goal is to make them one, right? Or it's like, or I need to like the 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 goal should be to like make it clear and 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 have a total synthesis of like how how i i i am in in public and in and how i want to be and and i think like mari's like no that's like that's a very american like ego psychology kind of like per, like perfection of the of the of the ego kind of like way of going at it when really what the psychoanalytic listen is a lesson is that like you have to reconcile yourself to the disjunction between one's like desire and then like one's like one one's ego Right. And, I mean, and, this and, whole, I think, yeah. right, right. The whole book of penis envy is really about that disjunction, right? So she's talking about her own life and her, like, cause, cause she's really like, look, I was seduced by the American dream. Like I was, yeah, right, right. I wanted to come to America and I, I really like my life in America was so much better than my life in Finland. And so I really lived out. I mean, she really is someone who lived out, even though she's in Canada now, who lived out the American dream, right? She like mm-hmm. got, she started with less than nothing and then and came to be you know one of the most important theorists in the world so it's really i think that's a 
that trajectory is like that. So she's, so that's her life. And then Mm -hmm. theoretically she's critical of that. Although what's interesting is I think her life allows her not to be, to break from that Foucauldian model of seeing like only this trap, right? Like Mm -hmm. she sees that it is possible to break the trap because she broke out of the most, you know, the, the, a much more severe trap than like our contemporary capitalist society, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think she has the experience of breaking out of that trap. I just wanted to talk about one thing before we stop is, is, uh, uh, her discussion of pornography, because Mm -hmm. I think, so she, one thing she says is that for too long, feminists have been reluctant to criticize pornography, but she's going to go ahead and do it. (laughs) And I think one of the things that I just know this from, I've, I've, I, I have somewhat friends or I'm friends. I think I would say friends um, with a, with a porn star. And he, so he does, he does gay male porn, but he mm-hmm. also knows a lot of heterosexual porn stars. Right. And he is very, very critical of, of the, his name is Connor Abib. He would be happy that I said his name. I don't think <laughs> okay. All right. Not happy, but he wouldn't care. Um, okay. Uh, and he he's very critical of the feminist critique of porn because he thinks that it is a slight against, for one thing, sexual freedom and against mm-hmm. sex workers and kind of and and has right. the effect of marginalizing their activity. Like if mm-hmm. we if we marginalize pornography, then we marginalize the activity of these sex workers. And I think that to me that's the like all the other stuff she says about porn about the way it causes a certain image of women, a certain degraded image of women to be shared widely in the culture. I think that's mm-hmm. inarguable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I am, I wonder what you think about that object, which I, th- I'm just imagining what his objection would be to Mari. And that is precisely this, that it, it marginalizes these yeah. activity, these sex workers and, and makes their life even worse. I think that, th- yeah, that's, well, cause isn't her, well, her critique is that, that, um, Apart from that, is that it 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 drains desire? Correct. Correct. Right. I think. But, I mean, it's hard to argue with that, right? Like that. Yeah. You know, there's a great movie. What's it called? Um, there's one called. I think it's called Men, Women, and Children, where okay. the guy he he is so addicted to this. He's a high school kid. He's so mm-hmm. addicted to porn that he can't. When he has a real girl in his in his room ready to have sex with her, he can't. He can't do it. Like he can't, mm-hmm. and he has to, he has to master, he has to go look at porn and masturbate to try to get ready to have sex with her. But then he, you know, it just fails. So I think that, that seems to me a very literal example of the way it drains us of desire. Mm-hmm. But I think it's generally true. Like the more that you're addicted to porn, the less you're able to desire another kind, like a real flesh and blood person, because a real flesh and blood person is disappointing in a way that porn isn't, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly like a, um, well, you're not in, I mean, is, is this, is this too much of a, of a lame analysis? Like, like there's a level of, uh, control and, and illusory mastery with, uh, porn and, and masturbation that is just kind of like out the window with, right. Um, I mean, right. With, with a person like, like there's someone a, else. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's an anxiety. There's like an accept, you have to reconcile yourself to the, like, to the, like the the imperfection has to be like imperfection in inverted commas like that has to be part of the 
the the fantasy is that like it's not like that this is the, the porn is this one thing over here and then like the actually encounter with another person is its own thing and it you it that cannot be thought of like in, in terms of porn or, or it has this effect of right, right. Of, of draining desire but it's I, so this this is interesting I, I I appreciate you asking me this question because I I think there's a uh, as a porn addict yourself, that's why. I asked As a porn, yeah, yeah, that's right, exactly, yeah. No, the um, your your friend Connor, I think that like, I, I don't know that um, that Mari's idea, sp- like I I think that they're they're speaking two different yeah things, mm-hmm. and 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 I and maybe that is a, a problem. Like I think Mar- Mari's ideas is 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 correct, but it's not it's not actionable for. Like how how does accepting that make policy pr- protection for sex workers? Right, All right. I think you know? she's yeah, and she, I don't think she's saying I want to. She have, doesn't say that either. Yeah, yeah. right. She doesn't say, and I don't think she's saying I want to have porn made illegal so that right. these workers are going to have it even harder. I don't think she's saying that at all. I just think she's saying we got to really stop. I think she's mostly talking to women and saying don't accept that your partner uh, just imposes his addiction to porn on you. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think that's what and so I think basically it's and, and to men, I guess the men that are reading it, she's saying like, the, look, like don't accept those images of women. And I think mm-hmm. it is true that if porn shifted its its predominant images, then I, I think it'd be tough to object to it. Right. Like if it, mm-hmm. it's 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 solely the degrading images of like she says women pissed on, kicked, raped, whatever. Like yeah, I think that's yeah. I don't I don't know, but I think that's that's relatively common enough right and so mm-hmm. and i think that that if just the rejection of that kind of image would change the porn like is it that yeah that that, that definitely i think that's where the two ideas actually align for protections right like right, right. yeah yeah that's interesting right. and porn is a, is an industry i would imagine that's relatively responsive to to its consumers and so if people just stopped consuming that porn that that is degrading then i think it would cease to exist Right. It would just, hmm. I don't well, know, maybe, I, I mean, I don't know if she yeah. would say that, but I don't know if she would say that. And that's probably, I mean, like I, I think that, uh, I just be, I think it probably can, I don't know. This is interesting. Like, I feel like the genie's out the bottle on that one. And I think that if you shut it down, like if you have pr- uh, protections for people in the industry, then I think that it, I think it moves somewhere like else. So which doesn't mean don't do it. Which doesn't mean don't oh, try. I see to, what you're like, saying. So yeah, like yeah, people yeah. are going to make those kind of things because yeah, there's think, always going to be people that are going to want them. Yeah, because so yeah, you got to interdict it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so that that that's that's I don't I don't think that I don't know. Like I don't want to say that like there's nothing there's nothing to do about that, but I think that it it, it kind of points to like there is a like there is a gap I think between uh, Mari's position and Connor's position. Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. so too, right? Like yeah. I think, because I think in her ideal world, we would no longer have porn. And I think in okay. his ideal world, that would be terrible. Yeah, right, right. So I think that, I mean, that's just a difference, right? Like that's mm-hmm. just a difference. Like there, and, you know, because I think she thinks that it, even in its best articulation, mm-hmm. porn has the effect of, just like you were saying, derailing our desire and making us desire to to forget about the way in which I mean, what you said about imperfection is good, I think, and, and vulnerability, right? Like your own vulnerability mm-hmm. in sex is 
that's obviated in the porn experience. So you don't have to worry about that. I think that the the way to kind of um, square the circle, yeah, to square the circle is certainly like um, you you have to make it so that there are um, are protections and that this is like outside of porn that there are protections and uh, like. Uh, access to you know basic like income and uh, and services so that someone doesn't have to do that when people don't ha- like so let's say that that like the the most abusive kinds of um of porn that that Mari identifies like that that's no longer done in the industry and then like there is a sea change like uh, there's also this. Uh, it doesn't have to be compensatory because I don't think it would be but there is also a. a a change toward like, you know, again, universal, universal healthcare, universal basic income. Like, like then it's like, there's no, like, right. where's the, no, where's the incentive to have to do that? Right. Yeah. Like why that, would yeah. You, yeah. So that's, I think that that's kind of the, the way, because I was just thinking like what another example would be like, well, it, like it would be really, really nice if Apple didn't make their products, but what, like with people in these cobalt mines, like that'd be right. really great, but someone, but someone would do it. And someone so it's like, do it. So how so that's the, that that's kind of the first problem. So how do you solve that problem? Is the way toward like actually like like eliminating the abuse that Mari right. wants that in a way that doesn't uh, um, demonize uh, sex workers in the way that like Connor is concerned with. Like that's that's right. really the the only way that you do it. Right. Well, that's pretty yeah. good. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, I mean, like this is why. I mean, this is why, like, porn, like, like thinking about porn and sex work is a way of thinking about like the entire structure of civilization. Like, really, it's like not like. Uh, oh, that's right. You can't separate it out. I think that's yeah. right. I think yeah. it's totally right. Yeah, I'm curious to see what she would say about that because she doesn't really bring up that possible objection at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious what she would say. Maybe we can have her as a guest sometime. That would <laughs> be great. Run her with that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's the whole right. thing. It's a hit job, a classic, yeah, another, cla- another no, drive-by. No, no, no. no, 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 we're not going to hit No, we're not going to yeah. All right, so what, what's our what's the lesson for today? Like, I think that lesson is simple, right? Like, don't suffer from penis envy or yeah. or turn, turn, turn your penis envy into political action. Turn, yeah, turn, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's a, and as I said at the end of another episode, it's a, it's an area of opportunity, right? Like that's the that's right. yeah, that's good. That's right. That's right. Okay, over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. <laughs>